Well, sad and excited to be here. This is the end of our Hosea series, so going to do a little bit of a recap today. The book of Hosea is really about intimacy with God, closeness with God. And the book of Hosea uses a couple of metaphors to be able to help us get our minds around that message. The first one is marriage. The relationship that we have with God is like two people being married in a covenant love relationship. Um, That's how intimate it is supposed to be. Or later in the book, he uses this metaphor of the father, the generous, the loving father who is loving us wayward son. And the, the kind of intimacy and struggle and relationship and love that's present there is, the, is what's present in our relationship with God. And at the very center of all of this is this Hebrew term, yada, which, is, which means to know. Why don't you say this word with me? Yada. Yada. Okay? Y-A-D-A. You learned some Hebrew this morning. It means to know. And it's at the very core of the book of Hosea. Those metaphors are really pointed at saying this one thing, that God wants you to know Him. He doesn't want you to know about Him merely. He wants you to know Him. I know about famous people out there, but I don't know them. I know my wife. We experience every day together. That's the kind of knowledge and knowing that God wants to have with you that level of intimacy. And it comes in a couple of different verses. Chapter 6, there are two instances where we see this. Let us strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. And then in Hosea 6.6, God says, For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. This is what God most wants for us and from us, is that we would know Him, that we would know Him. That's what God wants. And so this is the very core message of the book of Hosea. And it complements our year theme. So this year, we're looking, we're, our year theme, again, our year runs from October to September, is to get on the pathway. And, and if you'd put up the, the pathway here, I'll just, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but at the core of our church, part of our structure is the discipleship pathway. We're hoping that people will get connected. They'll get grounded in the gospel. They'll get healthy, you know, um, get, you know dealing with all the, the junk that's in us that keeps us from walking with the Lord, that we'll get strong, we'll learn how to serve, and that we'll get going, we'll get out into the community. And I'm telling you, with the new members that we have, and just knowing this congregation and where we're at, there is so much more for us to be doing in this world, collectively, to get going. So I'm excited for us to walk along this pathway together. We've hired Pastor Dante, who is with us, and he is helping. This is kind of his main thing, is to help us to walk Along the pathway. You know that Pastor Dante is the, the, the big brother, the oldest of 11. I don't know where that just came out. <laughs> but I just, because it's an image, he is going to walk with us along the pathway in shepherding us uh, to, 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 to get going ultimately. And so we've got these on ramps this year, um, you know, the, just getting connected, Gospel Academy for getting grounded, counseling. Um, for getting healthy and, and serving, um, 
you know, for getting strong and then living on mission. And I won't go through all the details of that because we're going to continue to work that out through the course of this year. But this is our desire. But the thing is, is this is not a, a methodology. This happens in the context of intimate relationship with God. That's why Hosea is so important. Because we do this, we walk this pathway when we're in intimate relationship with God. And so that's why we wanted to launch out with the message of Hosea. All right. Now, there's a problem, though, with our intimacy with God. There is a problem, and that is what Hosea describes as idolatry. There's something that gets in the way of our intimacy with God. And so in chapter 13, verse 2, we read this. And now they sin, meaning Israel, more and more, and make for themselves metal images, idols skillfully made of their silver, all of them the work of craftsmen. It is said to them, those who offer human sacrifice Kiss calves. We'll we'll pass out the Bibles in a second. I'm just going to do a little review before we do that. Do you see the power of idolatry? In fact, idolatry has taken Israel to the point of human sacrifice. They're joining in what the people are doing around them. And you say, well, good thing we would never do anything like that. Oh, really? We don't destroy people for the sake of personal gain? Just read, just open up the news today. You will see it in all kinds of ways. We use people and we destroy people for the sake of personal gain. So we have the same idolatry problem that the people of Israel had. And, and it gets in the way of our intimacy with God. Now, Luther, Martin Luther, because we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation while we were doing Hosea, and Martin Luther said this about idols. He, he says, he describes it like this. Um, to whatever we look for any good thing and for refuge in every need, that is what is meant by God. To have a God is nothing else than to trust and believe in him from the heart. To whatever you give your heart and entrust your being, that, I say, is really your God. And that's the definition of an idol, something we worship that's not God and that can never deliver, that always promises high and delivers low. It's that in which we trust or hope or depend that is not God. And the book of Hosea is making this really important point that when we do that, when we trust in idols, it's not just like a whoops, no big deal. It's like literally fracturing the relationship with God in the way that a spouse fractures a marriage when they cheat on the other spouse. That's the level of fracturing that takes place when we chase after other idols. Very strong language in the book of Hosea. Some of the strongest language in the entire Bible because you've got this this father God who's wrestling with this wayward son, Israel, and he's going back and forth. And so he says these strong things like in chapter 9, verse 15. All their evil appears at Gilgal, way back in the very beginning. For there I began to hate them. Really? The Bible says that? I will drive them from my house because of their evil, wicked actions. I will no longer love them. All their leaders are rebellious. God is this loving father who's, been, who's just been brokenhearted and he keeps getting abused by his son, Israel. 
and he's wrestling. And in the book of Hosea, you get to see the very heart of God in turmoil with his people. And that's why this strong, strong language. And we dare not rush over it too quickly. We have to sit in it, and that's what we've done throughout this series. And, and, and then in addition to that, to the fracturing of the relationship, the idolatry makes us spiritually weak, Hosea says, anemic, if you will. In fact, at one point he compares those who worship idols to the chaff, which is the part of the wheat that's not worth anything, and the wind blows it away. And that's spiritually what happens to us when we chase after things that are not God, to try to depend on them and, and worship them and trust in them. It's the power of idolatry. But the great message of Hosea, the beautiful message of Hosea, is it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. It's a message of hope. Hosea suggests this hopeful path, and, and here's where we hand out the Bibles now. Uh, if you have a Bible, open up to Hosea chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We want to make sure you've got one to follow along. Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Hosea 14, pull out your phone, look it up on there, verses 2 and 3. This is page 520 in the Bible that we hand out. Hosea chapter 14. Pastor Dante did such a beautiful job with this text, this whole chapter last week. I want to call out, and it was while he was preaching that this one verse really stuck out as a kind of a theme for our recap. Hosea says to Israel, he says, look, here's what you should do. Here's, here's your hopeful pathway, okay? Take words of repentance with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our iniquity and accept what is good so that we may repay you with praise from our lips. We don't want to worship those other things. We want to worship you. Assyria will not save us. See, they'd, they'd, they'd use Assyria as a crutch, an idol, to trust in Assyria rather than trusting in God. We will not ride on horses. They, they trusted in their strong horses to protect them rather than God. And we will no longer proclaim our gods to the work of our hands. For the fatherless receives compassion in you. And this is sort of the rally cry of Hosea that I want us to finish with in this book is we will no longer proclaim our gods to the work of our hands. You see the, 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 the motivation in that, the desire, the resolve among the people of Israel to say to God, we will no longer proclaim our gods to these things we've made with our hands. We want you alone to be our God. And it is with that kind of resolve that we end this series in Hosea. To leave this place individually and collectively resolved to put our trust in God and God alone. That's my longing. That's my hope. That's what God wants for us. Now, Throughout the book of Hosea, we've got some great help in doing just this, in dashing our idols, putting them aside, and putting our trust in God. And it comes in what I would call a kind of a spiritual toolkit that God has given us in the book of Hosea. So I want to just walk through some of the tools that God has given us for putting our idols away from the book of Hosea. 
And the first one is simply the gospel itself. The title of this series has been God's love is greater. And in Hosea, we see that. We see this loving God who wrestles with his relationship with his people, but he always comes out with love at the end. He always, he says, I can't quit you, Israel. I can't quit you. Because deep in his heart is this love. This love that is deeper and more powerful than their sin. And that's a very, very important message. That's a very, very important part of our spiritual toolkit. Probably it's the essence of everything. When we think about overcoming the idols that we struggle with. And that is to say that in Hosea, God appears to us as more loving and more forgiving than our sin. And then we fast forward into the New Testament and we have Jesus Christ, God entering into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And um, just go to the next one. That's good. Perfect. God entering into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, the, the, the initial work of, uh, that we see in Hosea now comes to full fruition as Jesus goes to the cross and demonstrates the depth of, of God's love. You remember we talked about how I mean, it's kind of a gory, amazing thing for Jesus to be hanging on that cross. But the reason it has to be that way is because our sin is pretty gnarly and gory at times. And we need to know that God understands that and that his love is greater than all of our sin. And that's the message of the gospel. And what that does is it undercuts what we refer to as the shame loop. Now, what is the shame loop in life? The shame loop is this, is that you trip up. You do something that you know God wouldn't want you to do, and then you come to your senses and you hate yourself for it. But you figure at that point, I've already messed up so much, I might as well just keep doing it more. Because you feel so much shame, and you start to feel that you're not worth anything, and so you might as well just go on sinning all the more. So an example, let's just say there's somebody who's struggling with pornography. And they have a little measure of success. They're trying really hard and have some success in this. And then one day, they trip up. That moment is very critical. Because in that moment, the person says, well, okay, I blew it. I'm worthless and I'm awful and there's no hope for me anyway. I might as well just keep going. Or the person says, I blew it. I sinned. But God's love is greater still. And there is hope for me. And that's the gospel. No matter how far we go, no matter how deep we go into sin, God's love is always greater. And do you see what that does for a person? It creates this context in which there is is always hope. There is always a way out. You are never too far gone. And then you can start to deal with your junk. Right? What is it that causes you to go to pornography in the first place? When God creates this environment of safety and forgiveness because of the expansive nature of his grace in Jesus Christ, we can start to really deal with our deeper longings and struggles. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And that is the most important tool in the toolkit. It's the very essential core of it. Without it, there's no hope. Now, in, with each one of these tools, I'm thinking about my toolkit you know, there's a, each tool has a handle. How do you grab it, right? So how do you grab the tool of the gospel? And in the book of Hosea, the answer is repentance. 
You grab the tool of the gospel through turning away from sin, turning towards God, and asking for forgiveness. And we think of repentance as something you do at the beginning of your journey with God. But actually, this is probably a daily thing. It's, and it's hopeful. It's not a bad, repentance is not, it's a, it's a wonderful, sweet gift of God. To be able to wake up in the middle of whatever we're doing, whatever we're thinking, and say, oh, God, I'm sorry, I repent. You know, I just said something to that person which was rooted in my own selfish desires. So I repent of that. And I, I'm going I'm I'm to turn away from it and turn towards you. That's the power of repentance, and it's, it's the handle of the gospel that we need. The second tool is awareness. Um, Hosea's uh, identity, uh, excuse me, Hosea identifies the idols that uh, Israel struggles with, and it's bound up in their culture. We're not going to go through those the various different idols that Hosea uh, identifies, but it has to do with particular things in that day. But then we said, you know what, we have idols that are very similar in our, that come from our day. And we called them out. We became aware of them. We worked through a process. And so um, those of you who will remember, uh, we put up this chart um, talking about idols, the different kind of things that we go to to find fulfillment, to find answers to our struggles. And, our, and we go to social media, right? We go to academics, you know, if, if, if I get good enough grades, I'll be worthy enough. We, we shop, we, we, we amass money, we try to order our lives, and, and we, we make ourselves clean and air our whole house clean, because then we'll be okay with ourselves and our body image and sex and, and careers and, and, and roles, like what job, what job do you have in the church even, Not alone, let alone in your career. Your, our intellect, uh, sometimes we escape, we, we use drugs as a way to escape the pain of life so, that, um, so we have to deal with it. And it becomes an idol. We're just waiting for that next fix. It's, it's really our God in Martin Luther's sense. It's what we depend on. And, and, and political parties and social movements and, again, sex and, and pornography and social media, they come up again. And, and then our identity, um, and a lot of these things are really good, right? Our identity, our ethnic identity is really important, but it never is to supersede the identity that we have in Christ. And so um, we've got to keep these things in the right order and, and kids and, and, and then we can go to spiritual things. And then we talked about what's underneath all of this. So if you go to the longings, we, we're longing for approval or comfort or control or power or belonging or intimacy or significance or, or transcendence. And, 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 and then the awareness part is, is knowing what are your, it's like Superman with his crypt, what are your kryptonites, Right? What do you go to to get your needs met that's not God? That's really the awareness part of this study of Hosea. In the Gospel Academy course that Pastor Dante and Jackie Knapp led, they asked some really good questions aimed at helping us to figure out what our idols are. And those questions, I'm going to just read them to you and, and just kind of quickly. Um, if you're wondering, what, are my, what am I trusting in that's not God? Ask yourself some of these questions. What consumes most of your thoughts? What do you turn to for comfort or security or escape? What makes you worried? What makes you angry? What makes you sad? What makes you afraid? These are windows into the deeper longings of our soul. 
And the, the work of, of asking and answering those questions helps us to identify what it is that we're trusting in that is not God. So that awareness tool is very, very important. The third one is the wilderness surprise. In chapter 2, we have this wonderful little verse. Therefore, God says, I am going to persuade her, is, is, her the bride, um, Israel, lead her to the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And if you look all throughout the Bible, you'll see this wilderness theme. It's super important all throughout the Bible, this idea of the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of deprivation. It's a place of detox. It's a place of detaching from all of the idols that we're connected to. Um, we hate the wilderness for that reason. Because it's hard to be deprived from the things that we love. So, you know, you, do you have to bring your phone with you everywhere you go? You know, is it a sense of deprivation to leave your phone somewhere? You know, can you go to the restroom without your phone, right? <laughs> if you find yourself, the wilderness of the bathroom, can you endure, can you endure those five minutes? What, I don't know, you know? Can, <laughs> can you endure that without, you know, so in, in small ways, but then there's large ways. Sometimes we need to be swept away for a long period of time to go away into the wilderness, literally to be detached, to find a place where there's no, there's no way for us to be connected to anything else. And here's the thing, it's, Hosea says, the valley of Achor, which is the wilderness and the place of deprivation, will become the gateway of hope. That's the message of the wilderness. Why? Why does the valley of Achor, when we're separated from everything, we're detached, detox, why does that become the valley of hope? Because that's where God speaks tenderly to us. He finally gets us away from it all to be able to say to us the things, the loving things that he wants to say. Wilderness is very important. In fact, I would encourage us to build wilderness into our lives. And this is the handle. This is the handle. Go out into the wilderness or create moments, times of wilderness. Leave your phone in the drawer for a day on your day off. Don't turn it on. Go away on personal retreat in somewhere where you can't be reached and you just have your Bible and a journal. See what happens. You'll freak out for the first four hours and then you'll settle down and you'll actually get down to business with the Lord, right? You, we have to get away into the wilderness because that's where God speaks tenderly. And it's both physical, but it's also metaphorical. Just sep it's the idea of separation. Sometimes it actually means literally to be separated. And then the fourth tool in our toolbox is the fear of the Lord. And I, I really believe this is an untapped resource. And it's, it's not about condemnation. The fear of the Lord is not about condemnation because of what Christ has done. Christ took in himself all the condemnation, the wrath of God against sin for the entire universe. Christ took that into himself. And so if you don't want that on you, go to Jesus and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And all of that will be taken on him. 
So, I mean, God, it's so amazing. He's so just, and that he finds a way to take all of the justice into himself so it doesn't have to crush us. That's God. That's his love. But that doesn't mean that he's not still awesome. And having a keen awareness of the awesomeness of God helps you to navigate your spiritual life well. Why? Because it makes you humble. It makes you listen. When somebody is big and powerful, you listen. And that's God. When I was in high school, I bought a Volkswagen Squareback. It's like a bug station wagon. And it was great. Loved that car. But then when I got into college, I was driving home from college, and it caught fire. And I had a couple of friends in there, lost all of our homework, you know, lost a couple of guitars. I mean, this thing went up in a blaze of glory. Um, and it, it was on five freeway. The whole freeway was shut down for miles, you know. We had to climb up on the mountainside because the thing was raging. Um, the fire truck came and finally put out my car. That was the end of Super Dad, we called it, because it had the license plate Super Dad. Um, <laughs> that was the end of Super Dad. Um, a week or so later, my dad had to go and, and sign the papers for the car at the, at the wrecking place where they stored it. And he walked in. You imagine a father. He walks in. He sees this car. The steering wheel's melted. The entire car is completely just, just barely hanging on because the fire has overwhelmed it. And he knew at that point, because it had been a week, he knew I was fine. But he had this sense of awe and fear because of the power of the fire and the potential of the fire. Right? Even though he knew I had been rescued. That's kind of like us with God. We've been rescued. Okay? But that doesn't mean we don't stand before the the awe and the power of God with a measure of humility. And that does something to our character that is good for our spiritual growth. And it's good for getting rid of idols. Because you're going to be less likely to reach out and grab hold of that idol if you have a strong sense of the, the power and the awesomeness of God. You might just do this, right? So the fear of the Lord comes out very strongly in Hosea, and it's very important. And what's the handle for that? I don't know, but for me, one of the big things that brings me back into remembrance of the awesomeness of God is the world that he created. And when I stand before something that's awesome that God has made, or when I look at the pictures of these incredible fires or hurricanes or whatever, I'm reminded in those moments that you don't mess with what God has created. It's powerful. It's awesome. And it's just a, it's just a small sign of his greatness and his power. And so we can take all those moments when we're before these awesome things and turn them into worship if we go, whew, that's intense. Whew, God, you're big because you made that. And that, in turn, changes our character, makes us humble, and causes us to move through the world with a little bit more 
resonance to his commands and his desires for us. So those are four of the primary tools that come from the book of Hosea when it comes to this rally cry. We will no longer proclaim our gods to the things we've made with our hands. We want to get rid of those idols. The, the rally cry comes, is fulfilled as we embrace these ways in which God has given us to let go of the idols. Now, in conclusion, let me just spend a moment thinking about this. How is, ask you this question, and I, thank you, Miguel, for pushing me on this, but how is Hosea going to change us individually and collectively into the future? How are we going to put our arms around the lessons of Hosea and like onboard them in a permanent kind of way so that we can move forward into the future individually and collectively being transformed? Because that's what the gospel does. It transforms us. Well, God had a great plan for Israel to bless all the nations. If you go way back to the very beginning of the establishment of Israel, the plan was for them to bless all the na- all peoples. All peoples. But if it was going to happen, they had to be close to God. They had to have that intimate yada kind of relationship with God. It's a very beautiful image in chapter 11, verse 4. It says this, God says, I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. This is a farming image. It's about the relationship between a farmer and their animal. And when the, when the relationship is really close and intimate, the farmer loosens the yoke. Because the animal doesn't need the harsh treatment. Because it's compliant. It hears the farmer's voice and responds. And that's how God wants us to walk with him. To be so intimate with him. That he, the, the yoke can be loosened. And all he has to do is, is put these, these simple bands of love attached to us. And, and as, he, as he speaks and commands, we respond because our relationship is so tight. That's God's vision for you as a person and for us as a church. And just like with Israel, God has great plans for us. For you individually and for us collectively. to proclaim the gospel in the East Bay, to reach out to all peoples, okay? To encourage those working, those making culture in our area, the activists, to have them ground their activism in the gospel. To, to take all the students that we have the blessing to be a part of their lives and help them fashion their life vision around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on and on and on. This is, this is the plan that God has for us as a church. We're in an interesting conversation right now about possible facilities. And it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, it may amount to nothing. We've been here before. But it might amount to something. Uh, God has plans for this community just like he has, always has plans for his people. But they're contingent to some degree on our being close to him. 
so he can just lay those cords of love on us and guide us and direct us as he would. So I want to invite you to make chapter 14, verse 3b, your rally cry. We will no longer proclaim our gods to the work of our hands. Because God has dashed the idols. He's made a way for us to separate from the idols so that we might be close to him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to get our arms around all the good lessons in the book of Hosea. Thank you for this book. What a journey it's been. We're so grateful. Thank you. Would you now help us to onboard all of this goodness into our soul, our hearts, our minds, our our hands, our feet, our head, our eyes, our ears, the way we listen, so that we might walk with you attached merely by bands of love that you might guide us. We might be supple and malleable in your hands. We would be truly yours. There's things you want to do with individuals in this room that they haven't even anticipated yet, haven't seen. But as they draw close to you, the vision will become real. There's things that you want to do with us as a community that we haven't understood yet, we haven't seen yet. But as we draw close to you, as we walk with you, as we know you, it will become real. And we just want to thank you for what you're doing because it's good and because you're faithful. Thank you for not a aban- thank you. Thank you that you can't ever quit us. Because your love is greater than our sinfulness. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And this table is open to all who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to remind you that God has showered you with his mercy and grace. That he loves you. He can't quit you. That's why we do this every week. As a reminder, God says, I can't quit you. I want to lead you and guide you with bands, cords of love. So come forward in boldness this morning. On your seat, there's a card. And maybe uh, to help you capture the lessons of Hosea, you could fill that out. Maybe there's a particular idol with which you've been struggling and you're going to turn it over this morning to the Lord. And uh, you're going to see his power by his spirit because of his fatherly love for you. Break that stronghold in your life. Use that card to write that down. Put it in your, in your Bible. Take it with you um, when you leave this morning.